let's get into God's word today, okay? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you're here to speak to us today, to encourage us, to build our faith and move us forward. And I thank you now for the message you've dropped in my heart. I ask you to use it to speak to your people today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. In a few moments, I'm going to read from Isaiah 49, but let me set up what Isaiah says. Anytime you read from the book of Isaiah, you know that to a great extent, you're reading prophecy, you're reading prophetic words, you're reading things that God is saying about his people, about other nations, about things that are to come down the road. Isaiah, more than any other prophet, wrote about Jesus Christ, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, wrote about a lot of things. But in this particular passage of scripture that I'm going to show you today, God is speaking to his people when they were in a moment, in a time, maybe even a season of confusion. Things weren't going the way they thought it should go, and God needed to address it. But let me put it in perspective today. God is great. God is great. How many of you would say, boy, God is great? God is great. You know, I, you know, I don't know what word really fits God. There aren't enough words to describe him. But God is great. Theologians have some words that they use to describe God. For example, they say God is omnipotent, which means he has all power. He's all powerful. There's no limiting God's power. That's true. Theologians say that God is omniscient, that God knows everything. He's a great God. And then theologians also tell us that God is omnipresent. It means he's everywhere all at the same time. Now that, that's quite a feat to pull off right there. He's a great God. There aren't enough words to describe our God. Another word is the word infinite. He is unlimited. When you think of who God is today and the challenges of our universe, God will be greater tomorrow because there's no limiting God. He's ever growing and ever expanding. It's amazing. It's pretty impressive when you stop and begin to think about the greatness of God. To think that he strung out this universe, for example, and keeps everything spinning right in balance, right in place, and yet at the same time, he knows how many hairs are on our heads. God is great. God is amazing. But on the other hand, we as human beings are not finite. We are, are not infinite. We are we're finite. We have limitations. We're not God. We have our differences, our limitations. We're created in his likeness and his image, but we are not God. Our strength is limited. Sometimes... We have weaknesses. You can go to work, especially if you do labor-intensive jobs or you do a job that's really heavily straining mentally. You can go put in your eight or ten hours, and at the end of the day, you're exhausted. It's because our strength is limited. We're finite. Our knowledge is limited. We don't know everything. I know somebody knows a few. Everybody here knows somebody that thinks they know everything, but you don't. <laughs> our knowledge is limited. Uh, we can only be one place at a time we're not everywhere at once we don't always see and know everything that's going to happen in the future there are things that catch us by surprise and nothing catches god by surprise we have our limitations and then on top of that we are wired with emotions 
And everything that happens in life tends to get sifted through our emotions. So because of our limitations, we're prone to confusion. And if we do not properly deal with confusion, confusion oftentimes will lead to fear in our lives. And I'm going to tell you, I, I'm going to do some teaching here in the next few weeks. I'm not sure when yet. But I'm going to do some teaching about fear because there are a lot of people in our land living in fear who don't need to be living in fear. Let me say it this way. If you're a believer, there's no reason for you to be living in fear. No reason for it. God's addressed it in His Word. I'm going to be talking about that later on. But a lot of people, because of confusion, are led into moments of fear. You know, life can be confusing at times. And our vision is often clouded by our own finite abilities, and we become confused by our circumstances. And I know it's not uncommon for even Christians sometimes to feel like God's forgot about them. God's forsaken them. God addresses this in His Word, and we're going to look at it from Isaiah today, chapter 49. The verses are going to be on the screen if you don't have a Bible, but follow along with us. Isaiah 49, we're going to start reading in verse number 14. Isaiah 49, verse 14. But Zion said... The Lord has forsaken me, and my Lord has forgotten me. Verse 15, can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. Look at verse 16. See, see, now notice what God says, see. He says, look at this, watch, I want to show you something. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Verse 17, he says, your sons make haste. The word sons there literally means builders. Your builders. Your builders shall make haste. Your destroyers and those who laid you waste shall go away from you. And finally in verse 18, lift up your eyes, look around and see. All these gather together and come to you. As I live, says the Lord, you shall surely clothe yourselves with them all as an ornament and bind them on you as a bride does. A few days ago, actually it was a week ago yesterday by our time frame, we were in Nairobi, Kenya, and we were going to see a ministry on a Saturday morning, Saturday midday, a church that's built in a slum area where they feed a lot of children on the weekend. And as we're traveling in the car, I knew I was going to be sharing some thoughts, but I found out that this is wonderful for a guy like me. You know, I'm the guy that's gotten my notes. I've got it all laid out to stay on track because that's how I roll. That's just how I'm wired. We're riding in the car, and so I've got some thoughts, you know, to share with these nice people at this amazing church. And they tell me in the car, oh, you're not going to be sharing and just greeting the people. You're going to be preaching a whole sermon. So I got a sermon together in like seven minutes in the car, you know. And, and God had dropped this passage of Scripture into my heart, so I built a real quick sermon on this while we're traveling across town. And after I got home, I really felt like God quickened my spirit and said, you need to share these thoughts with the church. I want to share a message today entitled, God Knows. God Knows. In this passage of Scripture, in Isaiah 49, the first thing that you read from verse 14, it says, but Zion says, Zion says, well, who's Zion? 
When you talk about Zion, there are really two meanings to that name and that phrase when you see it in Scripture. First of all, Zion refers to, in the Old Testament, it refers to Jerusalem, and it also refers to the land that was given to Israel. It was called Zion. But in the New Testament, Zion prophetically is referring to the church of Jesus Christ. So Old Testament, it's referring to land and the people there. New Testament, it's prophetically speaking of the church. But here's what it says in this passage of Scripture. Zion has said, God has forgotten about me. God has forgotten about me. So God addresses this topic. God looks at these people who are going through tough times, much of which was their own problem because of their running from God and their sin. God looks at these people and he says, let me tell you what's really going on here and let me tell you what I'm going to do because you're not seeing the picture clearly. And God begins to address them. And I want to share three thoughts from this passage of Scripture under the simple titling, God knows. Number one, God knows you. God knows you. Maybe for me to do this well, let me do it this way. God knows you and you and you and you and you. and you. Person by person, row by row, every person in this building, God knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows everything going on in your life. Nothing is hidden from him, especially when you are his child. God knows all about you. And he wants you to know today, he has not forsaken you. He's not forsaken you. Never, ever, ever will God forsake you. You know, in our seasons of challenge, anybody here been through a challenge in the last year or two of your life? Okay, I know some of you are so godly you've never seen a challenge yet. That's great. But some people are still going through challenges, okay? We face challenges, and when challenges come our way and then emotions begin to play into things, if we're not careful, we can begin to feel sorry for ourselves. And we turn all the lights of life on ourselves and we look at ourselves and all we can think of is what I'm going through. Poor me. Nobody has ever suffered like me. I've said this before. You know, one side of my family tree, there's a whole bunch of people in there who think nobody has ever suffered in life the way they've had to suffer. Oh, man, nobody's had as many problems as me. Are you kidding me? If you've got more problems than anybody else, you're probably creating about 98% of them, okay? But when you're going through challenges in life, when life is in a difficult season, we tend to feel sorry for ourselves. We begin to feel alone, and we feel sometimes as if we are forsaken and abandoned. Nobody knows about it. Nobody knows what's going on. Nobody can help us. We are all by ourselves. And if you're not mature enough in the Word to know how to deal with that, it can affect you spiritually where you even begin to say, well, I feel like God has forgotten me. I want to encourage you today. God knows you, and he knows everything that's going on in your life. So you need to settle the emotions and stop and see what God says about your situation. God knows you. I'm reminded of the psalmist in Psalms 22. You don't need to turn there. I just want to refer to one part of it. In Psalms 22, the psalmist wrote one of those verses that was 
particular to his moment, but it was also prophetic about Christ. He writes in the Psalms and says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's like he's saying, God, don't you know what's going on? Don't you know me? Do you, I thought you knew me. I thought we were buds. I thought we were on the same page here. Why have you forsaken me? I think every person in this room has been at a time in their life where they felt like they were totally forsaken. And it's easy to fall into that trap. It's interesting, those very words the psalmist wrote in Psalms 22, you run it forward several hundred years and you see Jesus hanging on the cross. And some of you know this well, some of you don't understand it well. Let me just run, run you through it real quickly. As he's hanging on the cross, suddenly all of our sins, the sins of the world, that which he's never tasted, that which he's never been a part of, all of our sins are suddenly thrown on Jesus on the cross. And there the sinless, blameless, spotless Son of God is carrying that which he's never tasted. The guilt, the shame, the condemnation of sin. And Scripture says that the only thing he knew to do was look to the Father for strength. In that broken, physical, emotional situation, he looks to the Father, but the Scripture says the Father turned his head away and he judged his Son for our sake. For our sins, Jesus was forsaken by the Father. And Jesus utters the words that David had written in Psalms 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Something God wants us to know out of this. You'll never be forgotten about by God. You will never be forgotten by God. Because Jesus was forgotten that you and I would never, ever be forgotten. He was left alone that you and I would never have to be alone. So that when we read his words and he says, I'm with you always, even to the end of this age. When we read the words that says he'll never leave us and never forsake us, we know he's speaking to us out of his own experience. Jesus was forsaken that you and I would never be left alone. God knows God has not forgotten about you. He paid a price. His own son paid the price. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39 tells us that nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Friend, I'm here to tell you today, God loves you. He knows where you've been. He knows what you've done. He knows all about it. God knows. God knows you and he loves you. And our challenges in life cannot remove us from God and cause him to forget about us. God has not forgotten about you he's not forsaken you as you continue to pray as you continue to believe God let me encourage you today don't you dare give up on God because God has not given up on you just because his timing and the circumstances aren't what you expected it doesn't mean God has forsaken you you are not forsaken by God and then number two the second thing I want you to see God knows What's happening in your life? He's not forgot. He's not ignoring it. God knows exactly what's going on in your life today. Verse, verse 15, God assures us and he illustrates it for us that he will never forget us. And he illustrates it by asking a question. Very common question that I think is easy for any of us to understand, especially if you've been parents. It says, can a nursing mother forget that child that she nurses? I mean, you, you take 
a young mother with that baby that she loves and she's nursing and nourishing day after day. You try even for two minutes to get that mother to forget about that baby and it's impossible because she's on a schedule, that baby's on a schedule, and for a season that is her life taken care of and nourishing and raising that child. Can't forget about it. A nursing mother cannot forget about that baby that she holds in her arms and nourishes day after day. And what God says is, in a question form, can she forget? Can she forget? That word forget means, in the original writings, to mislay something, to misplace it. In essence, it means to be oblivious of something for a lack of memory or for a lack of attention. Can that mother forget where she placed her baby? No way. Can she lose attention and no longer be involved and forget all about having a baby to take care of? Of course not. Is her memory so blank and void that there's no place for that child? Does, she, does that child lose attention of that mother? Of course not. But here's what God says. You think in your finiteness, your limited abilities... If you think you can take care of that child, how much more will I take care of you? And what he says is, that nursing mother will forget about her baby before I forget about you. Have you ever felt like you didn't have God's attention? Have you ever felt like God misplaced you and forgot where he left you? I've heard stories, funny stories through the years about people I say funny stories, they're sad, but they're, once it's over, it's funny. About parents going somewhere, and they've got three or four kids, and they get in the car, and they're driving down the road, and they realize, uh-oh, we've only got three back there. There's, there's one missing somewhere. Heard a story one time about a, a pastor who'd gone to church, had a long day at church, Sunday morning services, Sunday night services. Church is over, got the building all locked up, went and got in his car, started, started driving home, and realized he was one kid short. Went back to church, opened up the church, unlocked the building, turned the lights on, and the kids asleep on one of the pews in the building. Well, the story had a great ending, but the point is this. The things that we are limited in, God is not limited in. The things that keep us from finishing what we start, God is not going to fail to finish what he starts. And God says, you will forget about your children before I will ever forget about you. God knows what's going on in your life right now. He's not forgotten you. He's not set you aside. He's not misplaced you. You've not escaped his attention. God knows everything that's going on in your life right now. As a matter of fact, let me take it one step further. God knows where you are. God knows where you were yesterday. He knows where you were last night. He knows where you slept last night. He knows that you're in church right now hearing this message. God knows where you are. One of the things I've learned about people is sometimes we think God doesn't know how to get things to us. Oh, God, I've been believing in you and I don't know what's going on, man. It's been three days already and I haven't got an answer to my prayer. What's happening here? God, I'm living at the same house. Did you forget where I lived? Can I just tell you, God knows your address. 
He knows your address. If he wants to mail it to you, he knows how to get it there. If he wants to send it UPS, he knows how to get it there. If he wants angels to deliver it, he knows how to get them there. God knows your address, friend. He knows it. He knows your cell phone number. If it's on right now, turn it off, okay, for like 15 more minutes. No, I'm sorry, 21 minutes and 33 seconds. Just shut it down. My point is, God is not limited like we're limited. And sometimes we view God and we missee situations because we consider God to be like us. Friends, we have been created in his likeness and his image, but his abilities far exceed ours, and we don't want to limit God by our own limitations. God knows your address. There's a single mom in this church today. I don't know who, for sure who you are. There's a single mom in this church today. You've got two children. And you've been wondering, how in the world am I going to make it? I just felt so strongly as I was praying this morning, God told me to tell you. You may not be in this service, you may be in the next service. You may be watching online. But if you've been wondering, how am I going to make it? God wants you to know he knows your address and he's going to get stuff to you when you need it. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. And we need, we need to trust that God knows how to get things our way. And then God gives one more illustration of this. He says, man, I I can't forget you. You'll forget your children before I'll forget you. You'll forget those babies before I forget you. Then God says this. He says, I've etched you on the palms of my hands. I'm going to show my age for just a moment here. For those of you who wonder my age, I am over 40. And I am less than 100, so I'm somewhere in that range. One of the things that's so busy to our young society today is tattoos. And, you know, you say, what do you say to that? Well, everybody's been young and stupid, so, you know, I guess you do what you want to do. I know. Some of us are old and stupid, I know. Like I've said many times, I want to get a tattoo, but I can't find anything that's deserving of this body yet. When I find something that's deserving of this body, I'll get my tattoo. It's kind of going to be a, a, a cross between something modern and cool and old school Elvis. I'm not sure where it's at, but it's in there somewhere. I say that for, for Corey's benefit. You know, people like to get things etched on their bodies. I took Zach down. When he first came on staff with us one day, I had to go to the courthouse. There was a family in our church going through a situation. I went down to be with them at the court. I took Zach with me. And there was a guy in there who was in big trouble with the law. And this dude had his head shaved, and he had tattoos all over his head. And I thought, man, I can't imagine what he went through to get all of that. And, you know, I'm looking at this, and I'm watching, and I'm watching society today, and people are getting etched with all kinds of stuff. I, you know, I don't care. I really don't. It doesn't matter to me. I've been joking about it, but it really doesn't matter. But but here's the point I want to make. God says, I've got you tattooed all over my hands. You know what God's saying? God's saying, you think I've forgotten about you? Every time I reach to do something, I see you. Every time my omnipotent, powerful hand reaches out over here, I'm reminded that you're over here. I've not forgotten about you. God says, I've got you tattooed all over my hands. You can't escape my attention. Please understand, I will not forget about you. God knows. God knows. He knows. 
what's going on. When I do weddings, which I don't do a lot of weddings because the younger guys now are doing the weddings and it's a wonderful thing. I don't like formal occasions anyway. But when I do weddings, at the end of the wedding or near the end, there's the exchange of rings. And I always try to share two things. When you first put that ring on the bride's finger and the groom is putting his ring on her finger, I talk about the fact that the ring is an unending circle, speaks of eternity. This love, this marriage is a commitment forever, for a lifetime. And I talk about that. And I, and I tell the bride and the groom, every time you look down and see your ring, it's a reminder that this is forever. It's not to look down and see a diamond or a stone or a design. It's to look down and realize, I'm committed for life to you. That's the kind of commitment God's made to you. And then I tell the, the, the bride as she puts her ring on his finger that that ring is made out of precious metal. And that, that husband and wife need to always remember every day of their lives, our relationship is precious. We need to nourish it and take care of it. This is a precious thing. God's got you tattooed all over his hands. And he wants you to know his love is eternal. And his, he considers you to be precious. And he will never forget about you. He knows everything that's going on in your life today. Everything. And then the third thing, God knows what's next. This is where we really get in trouble. Because we are finite and we can't see all of the future, when trouble comes our way, a lot of us tend to think, oh no, it's, this is the big one. Remember Fred Sanford? I'm coming, Louise, this is the big one. You know. Told you I was between 40 and 100. God knows what's next, and God is watching out for you. God is watching out for you. He knows you. He knows you. He knows what's going on in your life, but third of all, God knows, and he is watching out for you. He knows what's next. Verse number 16, here's what God says. Your walls... Are continually before me in scripture when you see that word walls it usually is referring to the walls they built around cities in Bible days in historical days a wall was or city was protected by the walls a village was protected by walls a home would be protected by walls they would be they would build walls to keep intruders and to keep the enemy out and God said, I'm not forgotten about you. I'm not forsaken you. Your walls, your protection is continually before me. Did you know God's more concerned about your future than you are? Did you know that? He's more concerned about it than you are. That's why he made provision through his son for eternity. Because he was concerned about your future. And he says, your walls are continually before me. Your protection, your well-being, what's going on in your life, your future, it's continually before me. A lot of people today are worried about the future for a lot of reasons. Some are valid reasons, some are invalid reasons. 
people are concerned about the future today. God wants you to know you need to quit worrying about things because God's taking care of the future. He's watching out for you. You do your part and you leave the rest of it in God's hands and he'll take care of things. Your walls, your protection are continually. You know what that means? It means it never stops. Today, this afternoon, this evening, tomorrow morning, tomorrow noon, tomorrow evening, day after day, God continually is watching over the walls and the protection and the well-being of your house. God knows your future because he's planned it. He's planned it. See, some of you think, i got to plan my future. No, what you need to do is cooperate with God and let him show you what the future is because he's already got the future planned if you'll stay close to him. That's good. That's deep. Some of you go and think about that one. Cooperate with God because he's already planning your future. And you know, I, or Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, familiar verse of scripture for many years now, people have been talking about it. God said, I know the plans I have for you. I know the thoughts I'm thinking about you. Plan, plans, literally plans to prosper you. If you look in the original writings, what he's saying there, it's my plans for your welfare, your well-being. You don't need to worry if God has good plans for your future. God has amazing plans. God has better plans for you than you could ever make for yourself. You just need to listen to him and follow him and let him lead you into it. He says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you. Plans to never harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God said, these are the plans that I have for you. I just tell you today, God will protect you. God is watching out for you physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, materially, every area of life. God is watching the walls of protection around your life. We need to quit worrying about those things. Heard a story many years ago, and it stuck with me. Never get away from it, really. And I'm going to share it in a moment. God knows your address. He knows what's going on. He's made plans for your future. Did you know that God knows how to get your provision into your life? God knows how to get things where they need to be. Psalms 37, verse 25. The psalmist made this amazing statement. He said, I once was young... But now I'm old, yet in all my days I've never seen the righteous forsaken, and I've never seen God's seed, his children, out begging for bread. Some of you maybe have never heard that before. You need to let it sink in. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed out begging for bread. Jesus said, don't worry about those things. Trust God, he will see to it that you receive the provision you need for life. I want to go back to our text for just a moment, Isaiah 49. I want to look at verse 17 and 18 one more time. If you would put those verses on the screen, because I want to walk you through it. At, at the end of all these things, God says, I know. 
I know, I know, I know. I know all about it. I know you. I, I know what's going on. I know what's going on in your life, what's happening. And I've got my eyes on your future. I'm protecting you. God sums it up with this in verse 17. He says, your sons shall make haste. I told you earlier that word sons literally means your builders. Those who will help build your life. Did you know God will send people your way to help build things that need to be built? Some of you are trying to figure out, how am I going to do this by myself? You're not by yourself. Walk with God. God will send builders your way. God will send the people your way who can help you get where you need to be. There's somebody in this room right now sitting there thinking, man, I don't know how I'm going to get there from here. You know what? Pray and ask God to link you with the right people. God's sending builders your way. Your sons shall make haste. Your builders, they're hurrying. They're on their way. Next, he says, your destroyers and those who laid you waste shall go away from you. Do you know why God doesn't want you carrying bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart? Because those people who've tried to destroy you, God will set them aside and he'll send them away. Just trust God and let him work. Don't fight him. Let him fight the battle for you. Those who've tried to destroy you, they're going to be gone. Then notice what he says in verse 18. I love this verse. Lift up your eyes, look around, and see. Leave the verse up there, but I'm going to... I'm going to pause here a moment. Lift up your eyes, look around, and see. Do you know what happens when we begin to view God through our limitations? Instead of looking up, we begin to look down. Instead of seeing God's plans, we see our efforts. Instead of seeing God's hands and our names inscribed there, we begin to see our hands and what they are unable to do. If we're not careful, instead of seeing the future God has for us, we begin to see the future we think we can create for ourselves. And the first thing you know, we're going through life just like this. Our shoulders are bent to the ground. We're carrying this load that we were never supposed to carry. We're worrying. We're living in fear. And all the while, we can't even lift our heads to see what God is trying to do. He said, I'm sending builders your way. I'm sending the adversaries and the destroyers away from you. But here's what he said. He said, look up and see. Some of us today need to look up and see what God says about us. Some of us today need to look up and see what God is seeing. Lift up your eyes, look around and see. All these gather together and come to you. Which of these? All of these. Everybody say it with me. All of these. All of these. All of these gather together and they come to you. And as I live, says the Lord, you shall surely clothe yourselves with them all. As an ornament and bind them on you as a bride does all these gifts all these blessings all these things you need he says they're coming to you they're on their way so lift up your head and start looking for them get your head out of your circumstances and get them into the heavens and what God says about your future told you I want to share a story with you when I was a young man, I heard a very well-known preacher tell a story about a family, a ministry family that was very well-known in a lot of church circles. Back in the early 1900s, before the Industrial Revolution really got rolling in America, 
It was very common for churches and pastors especially to live off the blessings people would bring them, especially in smaller towns where people lived off the land. People, instead of bring, bringing money for tithes and offerings, would bring vegetables and fruit. We saw it in Africa. I mean, it's, it's, so, it's just so amazing to see people come to church, and all they've got is the food in their house, which isn't much, but they bring part of it in a bag to give to God's work at church. It's an amazing thing to see that picture of giving. But in those days, in the early 1900s, if you were a pastor, and you probably pastored a very small congregation, and you were dependent upon having church every week, and hopefully people would bring in enough food and enough provision that you would have food for your family. The story was told about this one minister who had several children. He and his wife were pastoring in this little country town where the people lived off the land, And for whatever reason, it had been a hard winter and a long winter. And everybody's provision just kept getting smaller and smaller. And they brought in less and less and less. And the pastor and his family were just barely surviving. And then they had a month of horrible weather where there was just snow and cold and ice and snow and cold and ice. And they weren't able to have church for three or four Sundays. And there was nothing brought in for the pastor and his family. One day, the pastor got up and told his wife, fix breakfast, we've got to feed the kids. And she said, we don't have anything to feed the kids. He said, well, we've got to feed these kids. She said, I'm telling you, there is no food in this house. There is nothing to feed our children. You know, snow on the ground, knee deep, haven't had church in weeks, haven't even seen people, been locked in this house. We've got nothing. And he said, we've got to feed these kids. And he prayed and said, Father, in the natural, we don't know what to do, but we lift up our eyes to you and we ask you to provide for our family today. He turned to his wife and said, go set the table. Go set the table. She said, you don't understand. We don't have any food in the house. He said, go set the table. She went and began to set the table, and there was a knock on the door. She dropped what she was doing in the kitchen. She ran to the door, opened the door, and there there was somebody standing there that had like four big bags of groceries and said, here, I brought these to you from the Lord. The Lord said to bless you with this. And she got a couple of bags and took them in the kitchen, came back and got a couple more, set them down. She was so excited. She ran back to the door to say thank you, and there was nobody there. They were gone. So she went out in the yard to see where they went, and there were no footprints in the snow. God knows you. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows your address. He's watching out for your future. Trust him today. Bow your heads. I want to pray for you. Father, there's nothing impossible for you. We know that. And we need the God who calls all things possible. We need you to step into our impossibilities today and turn some things around. Father, our faith is in you. Our trust is in you. We've got nobody else on whom we can depend. But you're all that we need. We trust you today. While your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, If this message has spoken to you today 
and you're in a situation you have to have God's divine intervention, I want to ask you to just raise your hand. Hold it up for just a second. Let me see it. Just hold it up for just one second. Oh, yeah, all over the building. You can put them down. I want to pray for you right now, Father. Number one, I pray that you would help us to lift up our eyes beyond what we can do and what we can see and help us to look at you at your unlimited abilities. Father, lift up our eyes. Let us see the storehouses of heaven. Let us see the provision of heaven. Let us see all that you have, Father. Let us see it today. And Father, I pray right now you'd open up those windows of heaven and pour into our lives everything that we need. Everything that we need, no matter what area of life it might be, pour into our lives the things that we need. Above all right now, Father, we say we trust you. If you raised your hand a minute ago, I'm going to ask you right now, just begin to praise God and just say, Father, I trust you. Father, I believe you. Lift up my eyes. Let me see what you see. I will believe you. I'll trust you. I'll follow you. You have never failed me yet. Father, I praise you today. I honor you in this house because you will not fail. You know you know today and father i praise you that this week we're going to see miracles happening in people's lives things that we call miraculous and all it is is just the hand of god's divine intervention at work among his people thank you father that you work beyond our limitations while heads are still bowed and eyes are closed maybe you're here today and maybe you like that message and the last few minutes it's been tugging at your heart because You've got some situations you can't deal with, especially your eternal future. You don't know God. You've never been in relationship with God. Or maybe you once knew God, but you kind of run your own way and run a thousand miles away, but you realize today it's time to come home. Well, I've been sharing this message. Maybe something's tugging at your heart. That's the Spirit of God. That's God saying, I want you to come home to me. The way we begin a relationship with God is through words, a prayer of us opening our hearts and saying, God, I need you, and I open my life to you. I want to lead you in a prayer, and I want to give you an opportunity right now to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. I'm going to ask everybody in this house to pray this prayer with me right out loud. You don't need to scream the words, but I'm going to ask everybody here to pray it out right out loud and just wrap your heart, wrap your faith around these words. Pray this prayer. Say, God, I need you. I want you in my life. So I open my heart to you. Please come in. Forgive me of my sins. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. So I turn the reins over to you. Please be my Lord and Savior. I will learn your ways. I will follow you. I want to know you and I want to be your child. Thank you for loving me. I will follow you. You will be my father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, it's the most important prayer, the most important decision you ever make in life because it begins to work within you to settle not just the issues now, but the issues through eternity. I want to say well done, but that's not the end of the journey. That prayer is just the beginning of the journey. It's beginning your walk with God. Before we change the order of service and before we dismiss, 
I just want you to know when service is over, we want to give you a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. It'll help you get started walking with God, building that relationship. I promise you it'll help you. When service is over, we want to give it to you. There'll be prayer teams here at the front of the building. You can walk down here and just say, hey, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you, no strings attached. If you want to get it and go, that's fine. If you've got questions, they'll help you. If you want prayer for something else, they're here to help you. Please, let us give this to you today. If you're in a really big rush, just before you leave the building, at the middle of the glass doors in the foyer, there's this counter set up right there with a the sign. talks about walking with God and starting your walk with God. You can stop by there, ask for the booklet. We'll give it to you there. Again, no strings attached. We simply want to help you today. Hey, God bless you. We love you. Can we put our hands together and welcome new believers into God's family?